Hi, this is Peggy Smith, Chief People Executive and Consultant. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, and I got to tell you, listen to Leadership is Changing podcast with my very good friend, Dennis Giannitsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show. Leadership is changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in a fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to the show today. And if you haven't already checked out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and do that because we'd love to see you there as part of that community of wonderful people who are talking about things around leadership is changing and so forth. Hey listeners, I have a guest today. Her name is Peggy Smith and she is a skillful and transformative global leader with a keen eye for business trends, fresh concepts and innovative solutions and how they align to the world's greatest asset, which is people. Peggy's recent roles as Chief Strategy Officer for HR, Services Mobility, uh, leader for Caprello and a technology influencer called Shift, I think. And previously as the president and the CEO of, of Worldwide ERC, the Workforce Mobility Association, she led for 10 years. She extended the reach of the organization around the world and fostered the organization's evolution into a content-rich community for talent management and mobility professionals. That's so exciting, team. I can't wait to interview her here. Prior to the Worldwide ERC, during her 13-year tenure with Microsoft, she developed and implemented the strategy and execution for the company's world-class mobility center of excellence, which is called a COE. Peggy holds a BA in marketing from Seattle University and has guest lectured on talent mobility at Georgetown University and Seattle University and is contributing writer to the NACE Foundation. She's been interviewed and published and also quoted in such outlets as Forbes.com, HR.com, SHRM, Fortune, CIO Magazine, and a few more as well. So it's just great to see that she's actually out there contributing to the world and to the community. Peggy serves on strategic advisory councils for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and the University of Richmond School of Professional and Continuing Studies. Peggy, a massive welcome to you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Dennis. I am super excited and super honored to be a part and a guest of your show today. Thank you. So I've talked about your background, which is it's a rich background. It's fantastic. And um, just wanted you to let the listeners know, tell me, is there something else that we haven't heard in the introduction about your background? Is there something else you'd like to share? Yeah, you know, and Dennis, it's kind of funny. I always sort of get embarrassed when you hear people sort of read that stuff. <laughs> but 
what I find, and maybe this will sort of organically come out in our conversation on leadership today as well, is from a background perspective, what's really missing is the most human part of this, which is that I'm a mom and a wife. And my daughter is about to graduate university and I've been married for 31 years. I've had the privilege in my life to live in many places across the United States and to actually travel and see six out of the seven continents of the world. So I feel at the end of the day, incredibly blessed because without that structure of a wonderful husband, a fantastic daughter, I could not have done those things that you read. Yeah. And it's really important for us to have that background structure. I, I call it actually the backbone of our success, right? It's it's what really actually holds things together. And if we have that in place, it actually just makes everything else a lot more sweeter in the way that we do things for sure. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about it, Dennis. I mean, listen, we, we couldn't do what we do in the job function. We're going to talk a little bit about that, actually, with some of the things that I think are sort of on the horizon for leadership. But if you didn't have that, to your point, yeah, cool. Uh, so, Peggy, how did you get into leadership? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because, you know, Dennis, I don't know if there was ever this date that on, you know, January 1st, X with Z year, and now we've given you the crown of leadership. You know, I, I'm not sure that ever. I think it happens organically through a series of life experiences from the time maybe you led on the playground when you were in grade school, right? Maybe you were the person that was chosen that day to lead the dodgeball team or whatever it might've been. And so, you know, I guess when they formally give you that title or you look is when people start to call you that, which is also a unique thing. And it's like, oh, well, you're the leader. And you're like, "Hmm." with that, I think comes tremendous responsibility. So I think I got into it by just sort of being there when things, when there was a gap maybe, and, you know, stepping into that gap. And so, and I think I have enjoyed it and I've, I've always tried to do it bi-directionally. And again, we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well. No, excellent. Yeah. I like what you say as well, that we need to step into the gap of leadership because, you know, sometimes there is a gap and who puts their hand up. And I like what you say about the organic, because I think a lot of, for a lot of people, they fall into leadership by mistake. And it's because, you know, for a lot of lot of organizations, they look around and they go, oh, sure, do great. You're, you're the new leader. Congratulations. And uh, we'll see you in 12 months time. Good luck. And for a lot of people, they don't do too well in that leadership role because they haven't been supported or developed over the years. And, and it's quite difficult for them to look at things for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So here's an interesting question for you. Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader? And why? Oh, my goodness. I, I think I step back, Dennis, and as I think about this, I, I choose a set of characteristics and attributes for a leader. So let me sort of give you that and give you the story here. So I think about individuals that are inspirational, that show up authentically, mm. that have a great deal of humility. Those are major character values for me that when I think about my leadership, or not myself personally, but who is my favorite leader. So I got an interesting story for you, Dennis, because uh, I don't know if you're a golf person, but for the golf lovers out there, they'll, they'll resonate with this story. So I hope we can bring them along on this. So a gentleman named Ben Crenshaw. So Ben Crenshaw, you know, back in his day, you know, he was with Arnie and, and Jack, you know, he's probably maybe sort of the tiger of the time. At any point, any rate, you know, Ben was the captain of the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Now, we both know, Dennis, that golf is largely an individual sport. 
Okay. Ryder Cup is a competition between the United States and Europe that's played, you know, every two years. Right. And it's where the team has to, it, where the group of golfers have to come together as a team. Mm. Okay. So Ben was the coach. He was the captain actually is what they're called. He was the captain of the U S Ryder Cup team in 1999. Now, uh, if you follow golf at all and my, in your, your loyal listeners that do will know this story quite well. So going into the final round, on that, and this was in Brookline, Massachusetts, and my husband and I happened to be there. And going into the final round, the U.S. was down ten to six, and Ben sitting and it, it, the Europe only needed four more points to win the cup. And so Ben sitting in the media room, and he says this. He said, "I'm going to leave y'all with a thought." He said, "I'm a big believer in fate, and I've got a good feeling about this." Now, there's a couple of asterisks I want to add to this, Dennis. Number one. Not only was he telling the crowd, I got faith and confidence in my team, even if you don't. And you know, his team was in the back listening. They're like, what's he going to go out there and say about us? So, so you think about the inspiration that he's giving to them and you could feel his authenticity. Here's where I knew the guy was an incredible leader. Roll forward. It's a couple years later. And I happened to be in London on business. And it's on a Saturday morning and I went down to the hotel lobby and I'm having breakfast and I was by myself and came out of the breakfast area. And lo and behold, in the, in the lobby is Ben and his wife. And I thought, I got it. I guess just got to go up. I got to go up and say <laughs> hi to this guy. So I walk up to him and I said, hi, Ben, you know, Peggy Smith and he's that. And one of the first things he did, Dennis, he pushed his chair back and he got up and he met me eye to eye. And he introduced himself, introduced his wife to me. And I told him what an incredible thing that was in Brookline, you know, and we talked a little bit of golf and butter. So we, you know, chit chatted. We went on about my day, went out. Okay. I come back at the end of the day, walk through the bar. Who's in the bar? Ben and Julie. He comes up to me. No kidding. He comes up to me, wants to know how my day was because oh, he's awesome. remembered the conversation eight hours earlier. And I thought a couple of things, let's tie this back to leadership. I thought, my gosh, how do you show up when the cameras aren't on? You know, there are no cameras. I mean, I'm just some lowly American walking through the lobby, you know, for goodness sakes. And the fact that he took the time, he was so gracious. He was so respectful of his wife. He was respectful of me as a female. He stood up. I thought, my gosh, I need to learn from this guy. So when I think about authenticity, humility, inspiration, not only did he inspire those group of golfers, and by the way, the U.S. won. Oh, yeah. But not only, yeah, you know, you got to get that in there, Dennis. Not only that, but I thought he's inspiring me to be better in how I show up, even on the days off. That's what I took away. And so he's one of my favorite. I love that man. What a wonderful story. I mean, you're so right. I mean, we do, is how we do show up all the time. And it's not just, I, I, I mean, I think it's even Piggy right in your own home and you see the, the way he respected his wife and so forth. And even if you aren't being seen by other people, they know, they, they'll pick up on it. And it's really quite interesting to see how that happens. And I think what you just said there about how do you show up when the cameras aren't on? That is brilliant. That is that is exactly the way that as leader, that, I think that's the leadership piece. That's not when that's, I think the camera's on, that's the showman, shape person piece. The leader is what you just said, is when it's the camera's not on. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, you know, Dennis, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. And, you know, and again, the camera is a metaphor. It's mm. when you're not in front of your team. It's when you're in, and look, we're seeing actually, Dennis, let's flip to the counter side for just a second here. 
we're seeing some ugly sides of leadership when they don't realize the camera is running Mm -hmm. and they're caught on a hot mic and you're like, wow. And so it, it is really, truly being authentic to yourself 24 seven. I mean, yes, we all have down moments. Certainly I do, but at the core, do you show up with goodness in your heart? Brilliant. I, I love I love I love the story and I love the way that you've just shared that for sure. And I, I think it's fantastic. Just the way that he actually stood up, looked in you in the eyes, and then, you know, at the same level, but also treated you afterwards as well. I think that's fantastic. And I think I even think about this as well as that even if I go to my local cafe, a restaurant, something like that, the way that they treat you. And I think it all comes down to, if we can summarize it, how you treat people is what they'll remember. Oh, oh, Dennis, Dennis, Dennis. My favorite poet is a woman named Maya Angelou. Yep. And she has this great quote. It's not what you said or did. It's how you made me feel. Mm. And I love what you just talked about, about the, the wait staff. They have a name tag on for a reason. It doesn't take any more energy for you to say, hey, John, whatever their name is, how is your day? Because most people don't do that. So that could be the person at the airport that's checking your bag, the person that's taking your drink order, the person, quite frankly, that's delivering your mail, whatever it is. It is we're, we're all with almost 7 billion of us here sharing this thing called Earth, but we're humans. Mm. Let's reflect that. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm actually a believer whereby I think that nowadays because of technology, this is where the the people who aren't authentic, transparent, and so forth is being emphasized in the sense it's been, there's a big microscope on them because of technology where they've always been, some people have been like that all the time, but we just didn't hear it or see it. But now a lot of people are see, hearing it, seeing it, and demanding it to be to be really good too, So, which is really interesting. So Peggy, here's a question for you. Leadership is changing as the name of the show. When I say yeah. that term, that term or that title, what does it mean for you? I think it what it means for me essentially is that you don't get there and get a degree and hold it. Mm. It is kind of uh, along the lines of it's as good for the minute that you got it, but the minute after that, you have to sort of subscribe to a construct of it being evolutionary. You know, and so when I think about you, when you say, hey, leadership is changing, I sit back and say, yeah, and it needs to and it should. And what it means to me is that I have to create that mindset and evolve and constantly think of it that way. Because, again, it's not a degree like I didn't walk across the stage and somebody go, oh, hey, you know, here's your degree, your BA in leadership. No, I think it should be a BA in blank whatever the blank is in leadership yeah. has to be a continual thing. You can't subscribe to it once and say, I was a great leader. Cause the, the common word there is the past tense verb was. Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. And it's not like, da-da, you've arrived. Okay. That's it. It's not, it's, it's a becoming and you're, you're going to be becoming for quite a lot, while to actually learn to, to, to do that for sure. And so, it's a great segue into this next question for you in the sense that leadership is changing. We're seeing business. We're seeing industry change. There's a lot happening for us all. And I, and I see that you're making a career pivot to the human capital people side of things. Well, why that focus and why now? Yeah. You know, thank you, Dennis, for, for that question. It really is sort of this 
this construct right now that's going on when you think about the rise of the worker and the skills in an organization. So let's talk about this for a quick second here. Number one, you know, we're going to be coming out of a pandemic that, you know, the traditional workforce model is not going to be the same. So let's talk about that. It could be a fractional worker, a gig worker, 1099. It could be a head, 1099 is a U.S. tax thing. It could be headquartered in, uh, you could be remote, you could be at the headquarter, whatever it might be, right? At the same time, this global voice is rising and saying, it, you know, environmental, social governance things matter, be it things around climate change or uh, in the U.S. here, Black Lives Matter or whatever it is. You know, we saw the great stuff happen a couple years back around sort of the women element. So this great diversity coming. And what what I was finding and feeling was that in my jobs, people were part of it. It was like you had this other thing that you were doing and being you know, responsible for, for the people aspect was not the whole piece of it. And I missed that. I wanted to do that. And so I am making a, a deliberate, very deliberate career pivot to say, I want to lead an organization's people strategies because that's never been more important. And I've led it on the business side. I understand the talent strategies and how they align, but you need somebody that is organically passionate about people and however they show up. And so for me, that's why I want to be there. It's not about offer letters and performance plans and compensation models. It's about authentically being a representative of an organization's greatest asset, which is its skill base, which may not necessarily be employees. Yeah, that's great, Peggy. And you know, this is why I started the podcast, Leadership is Changing. Of course, the voice journey for me and so forth, that's one thing. But as I said in my introduction, I don't see enough leaders who are good enough or they have that sense of understanding. And so if I can help them a little bit through this podcast by interviewing wonderful people like yourself and others and get their messaging across to them to help them a little bit, right? Just one thing that could change because that one thing could change their life and their team's life and the organizational life. And I love what you're saying and doing that and going out there to make sure that you're going to help others do what they need to do to really move forward because I think what they need is they need someone who has strong values, but also knows where they're going in life, where a lot of people don't know where they're going in life. And so they just do life day in and day out. And what I'm hearing is that there's a purpose there and you're going out there with that purpose, which is fantastic. And so I'm loving what you're you're saying there. Yeah, there is a purpose there. There is. And I think we need to identify it, Mm. name it, define it. And if others haven't in their own journeys, help them. You know, how do we help them get to that place? I mean, and by the way, as we noted earlier, Dennis, this isn't something that you're there and it never changes. You know, as my life stages have changed from my daughter being young to da da da, da it changes. You know, my life's purpose has changed. I'm closer to the give back part of my career. Right. I'm closer to volunteering. It's the, the St. Jude comments that you made. St. Jude is, you know, it, it's it's an incredible organization here in the U.S. going after childhood cancer. And it's been very passionate for me for 14 or 15 years. I'm now at a place in my career in my life that I can give more time to helping them. And they're going through a strategy pivot. I'm like, pick me. I can help with that. So my purpose has changed, right? Yes. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, the St. Jude side thing sounds fantastic. I mean, the young children, cancer, it's just 
it's really hard and it's hard on the families as well and just being there to be able to help out that's wonderful so so good on you Peggy for doing that I think that's that's leadership that's a great thing to to see you doing that hey if there was one thing that you could change in business as a leader today what would that one thing be I think Dennis it would be being present Mm. Let me define that for a second. We are so distracted. I mean, you know, we got devices tied to our arms and we've got phones that we bring to our beds and we've got, you know, this inundation of noise. We're in the attention economy. Look, you got TikTok. TikTok, people are addicted to it. The length of any video, 60 seconds. What's that tell you about our attention span, right? So if there's one thing I could change in business and even in myself, it's being present in that moment for whatever length of time that is, because the other stuff will go away. It, mm. it will move to the side, unless your house is on fire, which at that point you got to be present. <laughs> for that. But oh, I don't think we're present enough in our conversations with each other because our mind is racing. I got to pick up the groceries or drop my kids off or holy crap, somebody's texting me, you know, those kinds of things. And so we miss the beauty of a conversation. And one of the things through the pandemic, Dennis, that I have done is I, I walk, I try to walk, you know, four, four days a week is my goal. I don't always get there. But when I walk, I meet up with a girlfriend or two, and we will walk for two hours. And in that time when we're walking, Dennis, there's no phones. You know, we are being present to each other and trying to be a little healthy too. But I need to do more of that. We as a community need to do more of that. That's the one thing is business, be present. Hmm. So you, you just alluded to having no phone there for two hours and walking. So if, I, if I'm a leader in a team, you know, is there any tips, one or two things you think leaders could do in the workplace, what they can do to be present? Anything you think that they, they you could share? I think it, it listen, you, if you're, if you're a parent, right, your children at young age emulate what they see. And sometimes you see a kid say something, you're like, well, where did that come from? Well, it came from home, whatever yeah. that was that they Hello. said, right? Right. Or the playground. But, you know, a lot of stuff is at home. I think as leaders, you have to emulate what you want. You can't be somebody that says one thing and then your behaviors die, you know, diverge from that. So, listen, if if you want to work on being present, then in that meeting that you're going to have and if you're leading it, then you have to be present. And that means no phones no laptops, no, or whatever your, your parameters are for whatever that is. Right. And maybe it's not every meeting, but I also think you have to, you have to tell people sometimes because they might go, well, why can't we have a what's wrong with that lady? Right. So I don't think you have to be afraid to say, you know, I, I want to, I want to show up for you. And out of respect for that, I am not going to bring devices in my same mask as of you. And then, and I think also you have to create a dialogue, Dennis, where, where people can feel safe and feel that they can, if I say I'm going to show up for you and I don't, I need to give you the latitude to come in and say, hey, you know, are you okay, Peggy? Because you seemed a little distracted and or, hey, you say this, but every time you show up with your phone and I see you looking down there. Mm. So we have to create that environment where we don't just emulate it and we don't just say it, but we allow a an avenue for people to guide us when we don't deliver it. Yep. Oh, that's great. There was a leader I was working with, Peggy, who would go to an hour meeting 
he would turn up to that meeting five to the hour. Mm-hmm. And and then so then he was present in the meeting when it started. Boom. Then yep. he would make sure right up front that they understood that he was leaving at five to the hour to go to his next meeting to make sure he was there on time to start. Right. And so he did that and people freaked out about it, but he had to help train them or help them learn from what what he was doing. But once they got it, they were like, hmm, that's a very good idea too. So it's another way of helping people be present. You know, what I love about that example, Dennis, is I, you know, the greatest gift that we can give anybody is time because we don't get it back. Sure. Like I can give you a mug. I can give you a, a set of flowers. I can give you a, whatever it is, right? I can't, I, I, you know, time is something we, none of us ever get back. So the example that you just gave shows how he respected his team's time. Mm. By being there, being present, being there before time, and then saying, you know, there's a thing. That's that's one of the greatest gifts you can give to anybody. It gets back to being present. You're giving them the gift of time. We yep. just never have qualified it like that. We've never said it like that. But that's really the greatest gift because I can't take it to the restore, store and return it. No. Time is time is amazing. It just goes. And, yeah, it's really, really interesting uh, for sure. So, Peggy, you and I have been employees, and we know people who have been employees who are employees today and employees of the past. And you've alluded to it already about the career pivot and about going into that uh, human capital people side of things. How has employee expectations of leaders changed? I'm going to caveat this, I think, Dennis, a little bit because... I think it's going to change in bigger ways. So I'd rather project out a little bit, if I may, because we're coming out of this pandemic here. Mm. So their expectations, I think, say for the next six, 12, 18 months are going to be very different and perhaps permanently different from what they were 12 months ago. So when I when we ask this question and you say, well, how have you know, what's their expectations? How have they changed? They want to be listened to as the whole person. Mm-hmm. I'm not just delivering a result for you working for ABC company. I am a complex person who maybe lost somebody during the pandemic, who may have been isolated during the pandemic, who may have young children that were horribly affected during the pandemic. And so you have to, I feel like their expectations are going to be, look at me across the ecosystem of my humanity, whatever that is for each individual. And, and I also think their expectations are, it's not just the words that I say. In other words, some people may not be comfortable because they're still sort of processing what happened to them. And so you have to be, as a leader, I think you have to be empathetic, patient, all those things we talked about, but you have to put it through a lens of, I'm not just looking at Dennis for a podcast. I'm looking at Dennis for one of, you know, six, seven billion people on this planet who may have lost a loved one, who's may have not been able to say goodbye to a loved one that they lost, who's whatever it is. Yeah. So I think they're saying, and their expectations are, I'm all of me, not a paycheck to you. Yep. I think you're right. I mean, as people want to be listened to holistically, right? The whole person, which is which is really important for sure. Because every country is different around the pandemics. And so a lot of countries have been locked down and haven't been into the office for a year. We're in New Zealand, we're being very fortunate 
because we went to lockdown hard right up front uh, a year ago, actually just a couple of days ago, that we celebrated that one year and anniversary. Celebrated it. We marked that one year anniversary. And uh, what happened is that eight weeks later, we started to slowly come back in, and then we went to another lockdown and came back out again, another one. So four times we've done that. And what we find is that the leaders have struggled to get people back in to the office. So that's one. And when they do come to the office, people have had to relearn how to work with each other again and people around each other. And so it's been really quite interesting. What I have noticed is that the leaders are physically, mentally, and emotionally tired of the yo-yo, in and out, bringing people back because they're having to be a rock for somebody and they're finding it very, very hard for, for sure. You know, there's a great line, Dennis. I, I know you've been on an aircraft, right? There's a great line to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your child. Yeah. That's true. Right? That's a great analogy. And so I think one of the things, too, that leaders are human. And so they, they, that's why I talked a little bit earlier when I said, Hey, you got to be able to go, you know, sort of bring it, bring it back to them as well, because who's caring for them. Mm. And so you just talked about this sort of dynamic. Well, you know, it's sort of like you're, you're whiplashed. Are we in, or are we out? Are we in lockdown? Or are we not? Are you going to be vaccinated or you're not? You know, all these different things that are going to be complex on the people side of this. And so I feel like, you know, there's this, incredible window of time where we're going to have to extend graciousness. And my hope for us as humanity is that we can do it with our best selves forward, because that's what it's going to take is, is graciousness for everybody and respecting where they are on their return journey, whatever that is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. And I've been doing some workshops with with various people in relation to that, how to lead in a virtual world in a way that, you know, is you're going to look, put that mask on. Actually, I talk about it. I say that there's no religion out there that everyone agrees on 100%, sporting team, political party that everyone agrees on 100%. But one thing that all airlines agree on when we used to travel, when we do still travel, is that the unlikely event that the mask drops down in front of you, put yours on first. And I, and I talk about that because, but then I take them through the journey of understanding because, Peggy, I see a lot of people you know, you go to the office and I go to the office uh, or we go to a meeting with a customer and so forth. We'll drive, we'll take a train, bus, whatever. Well, when we're in the pandemic side of things and people working from home, they will transition from their bedroom to their bedroom because that's where they got their office or to the, to the kitchen or the lounge, right? And that transition hasn't been there and it's very hard for them to do that. But then transitioning back into their home life while they're still living at home has just been very difficult for people to go through for sure. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. And I think the chapters on that aspect, Dennis, haven't yet been written. Mm. The mental health aspect of this pandemic, they're not written yet. You're so right, because in this country, we have quite a high suicide rate because we're very small as a, as a country, right? But that just shows per head of capita, we're very, very high. And there has been people because of businesses and so forth through the pandemic. And the mental health side of things is going to be, uh, we, as you said, I don't think we've seen the wave or the effect or the after effect of it yet enough uh, or we haven't seen the degree of it at the moment and we'll see that happening a lot which is going to be very scary but we've got to be there to support the people uh, absolutely we do yep. we do and employers have a role in yes. that yep absolutely so what makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced ever-changing world it goes back to some of the same things I think, Dennis, we've already chatted a little bit about here. You know, I think what's going to make them successful today is probably some of the same, some of the same elements from previous. In other words, 
you come back to, I would say the number one thing is going back to being present and being empathetic because you hit it when you asked me fast paced, ever changing world there. And we have to find a way as leaders to slow down the fast pace. And and we have to do it in ways that don't allow that fast pace to drive us. Because at the end of the day, there still is only 24 hours in a day, 365 days in a year. So we have to, I think, find a way to, I guess, appreciate the value of the time that we have. Because there's always going to be more to do, Dennis. There's always going to be that. There's always going to be something else pulling on your time. So you've got to figure out a way. And it's like your friend that you gave the example of this, this gentleman that you coached. You know, for him, he was showing up five minutes early. He found a way to slow down the fast pace. And I don't know if that's the solution. I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all solution for everybody, but it's something that you have to do to say, I'm going to take this segment of time and I'm going to slow it down because getting there faster doesn't always win the race. And it certainly leads to burnout. If you make it, you you can't always produce at a marathon or a sprint level forever in perpetuity. It's burnout. Yeah. And burnout for people to come back from burnout takes months, years. Sometimes some people don't even come back from it. It's very, very hard. And I think this is one of the, I'm going to say it as it is. One of the reasons or one of the things that we've seen with the pandemic is the universe has said, slow down. And it's forced us to slow down for sure, right? Oh, yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Do another little quick thought on this, Dennis, here is that, you know, I grew up in the generation of coming into the workforce where we were into acquisitions. Like you you get the house, you get the husband, the wife, whatever, two kids, dog, you know, two cars, et cetera. The younger generation or generations younger than mine, you know, millennials and Gen Z are into experiences. They learned that acquisitions didn't really get you anything. And so, you know, for them already, they're sitting here saying, I don't need a big house and whatever it is. I want to have an experience. Mm-hmm. I want to see things. And so that I think is another construct that's on the, the landscape here. And so what does that mean as an employer? Oh my gosh, Dennis, there's great stuff that's now underway and, and Spain is doing some stuff. Microsoft did some stuff with Japan where they're saying, who invented this 40 hour work week? It was a generation ago, it was a hundred years ago. Can we still be healthy? And are we better if it turns from a 40 hour work week into a 32 hour work week? So what you're going to see is this rise of this voice of saying, I want flexibility. And these old norms that we had, this is crazy. And the pandemic taught us to that very point that now is a good time to say, I'm not, I don't care about a big fancy paycheck. And because I don't want to be a slave to the office 60, 70 hours a week. I want to be beholden to my happiness, which is defined as this. Absolutely. I, that's wonderful. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that's that's definitely what's happened for sure. And uh, yeah, and you know, you're right. Those different generations are looking at things differently for sure. So tell me something here. I'm going to get you to get your crystal ball out here because I know you talked about thinking about the future and all that side of things. So where, where do you see leadership being in five years? Oh, gosh, I, lo- I love the crystal ball, Dennis. I love it. It's my favorite. 
I feel like in five years from now, what we're going to see is more most successful leaderships and leaders will be bi-directional. So they're going to be able to sort of take input from people that are a lot younger than they are, who have a different experience than they do. And they're going to be able to inspire when they need to inspire. Yep. They are listen, um, as I think about this, we talked a minute ago about the mental health, the, the generation that's coming into the workforce, Gen Z, you know, all the research is starting to come out. This is going to be one of the most stressed generations to enter the workforce. So their impact from expectations and leadership demands are going to be around those things with respect to mental health. It still is this stigma. You don't really talk about it. So-and-so is this or that. You know, organizations, whatever, 15 years ago, I think it was, started focusing on the physical health. Well, let's give them gym memberships and pay for trainers and this and that and the other. Well, this is going to be a crash course in the gap that employers have to fill for mental health. Mm. And leadership is a key component of that. So I think leaders are going to need to step out to get trained on how to address this and how to recognize the signs of that stress and to be able to, you know, sort of be compassionate and I think also supportive if somebody's going through that. Because we all have that stuff. We've had it for a while, Dennis, but we hid it in the closet. COVID and this pandemic is giving us permission to talk about it. And so organizations, I think, and leaders in five years from now have to sort of think about that. And I think at the end of the day, they're going to, it's going to be a much richer, rewarding experience for everybody. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. I think it's spot on what you're saying there too. And uh, for a lot of leaders, they're going to have to really, really look into that for sure. So thank you, Peggy, for joining us on today's show. Hey, if our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? Oh, you know what, Dennis, the easiest thing is LinkedIn, Peggy Smith. And, you know, they can find me on LinkedIn. And I, I always think and feel that when people reach out to me, the least I can do is give them a, a response. So LinkedIn is perfect. Great. Thank you. Peggy, once again, thanks for joining me on the show today. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you about leaderships changing. So thank you. And you know what, Dennis, thank you. I'm deeply honored and I believe in your life's passion for doing this. It is changing and the work that you do to help leaders be better individuals. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate that. And I'm honored to be with you. Great. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. So listeners, hey, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they've been released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Hey, share them with your friends, your family, your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me on the show, or if there's a question you'd like me to ask my guests as I interview them, or if you have a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, which happens once a week, feel free to send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. If you haven't checked out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, go ahead and do that. We'd love to see you there. Once again, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.